Hello and welcome back to Black Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back to talk about the third episode of Nine Perfect Strangers. It's been a while <laughs> since we've come back to the show, but here we are. This episode was directed by Jonathan Levine. The teleplay was by Samantha Strauss. Premiered August 18th of 2021. I gave this episode a 7.8 out of 10. While there were some really good moments that I enjoyed for the most part, I'm struggling to find what the premise of this show is, how it's developing, and what it means. It's kind of meandering in that direction. I'm also starting to feel as if a lot of statistics are being thrown out at me and not a story, not a comprehensive story at this time. Maybe it will pick up. I was really surprised at the end of the episode that what we suspected is happening, someone in the group already suspects is happening. I was like, okay, um, where do we go from here? So that is what is holding me back from enjoying some of, and all the characters are not exactly relatable in any capacity. I think the ones I continue to like having uh, on screen is Jessica. I think that Melissa McCartney is playing a very good Francis. And I think that Tony's character also now that he has settled down i mean he's still an asshole but even he is keeping himself in a in a check versus say lars but the whole marconi family i'm trying so hard their tragedy is intriguing in a sense of especially what heather is going through just another look into what happens to a family when a tragedy strikes but for the most part i don't enjoy those scenes <laughs> with michael shannon in particular i really like the female side of the earth day more so than the male side and it could just be how the two groups are yeah i think i definitely am just more in tune with the females which shocker then I am with the, the male side of things. I didn't write any notes for this episode. So I'm not going to go scene by scene. But I'm pretty much going to, to hit everything. Let's start with Masha. I still am a little disturbed by the lack of meat on Nicole Kidman's ribcage. But we see her jump into the... Jump into off the waterfall. And then she screams. Okay, 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 okay. Which in turn wakes up Napoleon. And his wife is like, yeah, I didn't hear that. I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> what is that contraption on your face? Maybe because I just don't buy this relationship that I have a hard time connecting with the, the familial bond. It doesn't feel organic. She feels as if she's bothered by him despite what she reveals in the hot springs which i totally i don't know i don't think i could take off my clothes and get uh, mm -mm, mm. like part of me feels yes i think after a while maybe if i sat there and just saw other people they were perfectly fine 
I don't know how much am I drinking. <laughs> These are all factors in that. But then at breakfast, they're all told that once they get their smoothies, that they're going to be fasting for the rest of the day. They don't give them any indication that the fasting is going to include another smoothie that night. But they are sure that they can live off the land. That's part of the exercise. And everyone goes into their groups except at the breakfast table. What am I talking about? Um, before we split into the groups, we have the great scene that kind of was left flat. And that's what I mean by some of the storytelling. It has uh, little bits of leaps and logic. And then it's kind of swept under. And then you just have Nicole Kim in with just, I'm just going to throw it out there. The accent is, is not great. It's not particularly believable. I don't know why she had to be Russian. Maybe that adds to the mystique. I don't know. But I feel as if it is very distracting between that and her very yoga Buddha-like persona. She is continuing to get blackmail texts. Someone's clearly watching her. They've sent video of her. So it's someone on the property. So there's this mystery, but we don't know what it connects to because we haven't known her in any capacity than the one that we've been introduced to. So it kind of just, there's no suspense or horror behind it. It just seems to be a thing that happens. And then it's left flat and she's not thinking at all. You know, if you are making money off of this facility, wouldn't you think you could reach out to some type of private contractor to bump up your security? It just seems really ridiculous that she would just be ineffective to the threats that could be possibly coming her way. So speaking of a little threat coming someone's way, Lars is particularly harsh on Carmel after he drags both Ben and Jessica at breakfast. Like what's going on? There's a tension. He's a shit starter. He's the instigator because they were having sex and he was talking about, yeah, my wet is not your definition of wet. Because he can't admit that he's not hard. I think that he's depressed. But I also feel as if their their issues, like I think she's going through a lot more issues than he is at the moment. But he also feels as if, like a lot of people here are starting to feel borderline suicidal in a certain capacity. Maybe that's what they all have in common. But I don't necessarily, like, I feel they might have played with the thought, but not necessarily. I know I'm repeating my words. Like, <laughs> I can hear myself doing it. But I'm not following what has brought all these, what they have in common. There. <laughs> I've settled on some actual words. These sangrias are just hitting really good. So then Lars picks on Carmel, who's like, you told me good luck with that when you saw me in town. You're just really rude. And even Jao and both Delilah, who are, or Yao and Delilah, did I say Jao? You can tell that they're very 
you know, trying to mitigate the situation between all of these differing personalities, they announced there's going to be a sack race, which is supposed to, like, laughter is supposed to help heal you, which I believe that's absolutely correct. And Carmel, she puts herself on the other team, but she also seems to put herself in other people's business real quick like when francis and tony are talking about how she almost choked and how she wanted some grapes she's like sorry to be a snoopy and his name is bruh yeah lars be dragging you but you be making it real easy then he's like i'd rather be paired up with anybody but her so she goes for his neck we tired of playing with your ass nigga today your ass is gonna die bitch say good night motherfucker Delilah is a less devotee to Masha than Yao is. Delilah was concerned earlier about this new step in the process. Like, I don't know about all this. I don't think that they're ready. Masha tells her, don't worry about it. This incident happens in the morning. Masha says, fine, duly noted. However, I need you to trust me. She puts her hands on her in a very manipulative fashion. In my opinion, Yao comes in still looking sexy as fuck. La, da, da, de, da, 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 da. And while she encourages the lovebirds to set up, she pretty much is not adhering to any of Delilah's feelings, which spurs into a conversation she has later with Jessica. As they are going on to their side of the hike, she lets her know, you know, you're never going to have to do anything uncomfortable that you don't want to. Know that even here, especially here. I did laugh when Francis was like, that felt like it had some meaning to it. <laughs> but they go by to a nice uh, place where they can jump into the, the lake, river, spring, whatever you want to call it mom heather goes in because she starts to talk about her son zach delilah's there to hold her hand she follows the woman in both nude the other ladies do decide to get in eventually however only two of them are in the nude and then they decide to share with each other we had on the bank jessica and well first i just skipped over the sack race because that it wasn't much other than Tony decided to jump in and stop sitting on the sidelines. And Francis is like, yeah, that, that's not happening. <laughs> Tony definitely seems to be getting some benefit even when they were doing just deep breathing. And she was walking around to each person. She knows the more impressionable ones, but then she sees Tony suffering and she says i'm right here with you so i think there is some opening of trust to him which is nice to see he's pretty much getting some of the better development i think francis a little bit but i'm not as interested in her development i want to know what's happening with lars but i have a feeling that it could possibly be underwhelming <laughs> but we shall see i'm gonna hold out judgment I still feel as if Napoleon is someone to worry about. And he has his day with Masha, his one-on-one. So after the sack race, when the Marconi, Marconis lose, 
you had karma being really snitty and snotty like you can never not look pretty to jessica and then on the bank she keeps making things like oh because she's looking for her phone because she can't live without it and she knows in her gut that it's pathetic if that's all she has but it really is all she feels is important or that she has to offer and even in that she feels she has to be perfect and yet she does not look in the mirror and think so whatsoever which is what we learn when they are sitting around in the hot tub because she tells carmel to fuck off why did carmel go up to her like if you ever talk to me like what bitch please (laughs) we both know i will whoop your ass because you just not that tight and that's when she carmel admits that she has been snippy (laughs) has not been particularly nice but she also doesn't back up from the feeling that she kind of hates her because she is so pretty and her husband left her for someone much younger so all she wants to do is punch her in the face and she hates that she feels that way and despite the fact that jessica shared that she has her own image issues that are beyond critical they're obsessive in a way that is not healthy and i'm so glad that i don't (laughs) i'm not laughing because it's not funny but you know i'm just glad i don't have those particular i just remember when my sister was trying to give me a zucchini muffin (laughs) i was like are those sweet she's like uh no but they're healthy for you i'm like look i'm at the age where i'm like fuck it this is what you are going to be getting and i make no qualms about it so in this sharing circle francis admits that they're not really people to her that she's pretty much seeing them as characters and wish she had a notepad to write down all this stuff because it's good material for her book and then heather to her daughter's um <laughs> shane first she's like mom you're naked then she admits does anyone crawl when they last had sex because i recall it it's three years ago with my husband and if i'm being quite frank and honest look i uh would prefer one of you women have an affair with him because i can never have sex with him again oh that's awkward delilah really did lead her group though despite the uncomfortable conversation she got everyone to be honest and open up and then we got the male side of things where the more hungry they become the crankier they are Ben recognizes Tony as a former American football player who had a knee injury and is clearly struggling with an oxy addiction (laughs) to anyone who is utilizing their eyeballs. Everyone continues to talk about his knee injury. They want to know more about him. He's like, yeah, my dad used to love you. He was his best white player above all these other people that he clearly thinks he was better than (laughs) and he's trying to push past this moment this moment where he was struck and his knee was was bummed out and thus it started the end of his uh well it was the end of his career and the beginning of his addiction 
And then while they're continuing to get hungry, even after they found some nuts, and they had a little bit of a conversation where they were dragging the shit out of Lars. Like, why are you a dipshit? (laughs) Even Napoleon jumped in. Like, I would like to know what... Like, I feel sorry for Lars. Because clearly, whatever's going on, he feels the need to antagonize everybody. At least we here trying to get help and admitting it. Ben admits that he drove a truck and that it meant something, but when he won the lottery, it no longer meant anything. He's $22 million richer, and now he can get whatever he wants, so he's lost something that he feels he could earn, because nothing will be better than the fact that he won $22 million. And I felt that, in a way. So I think that he's just struggling with his own self-worth in this world. The same way in which Jessica is struggling with her own worth. And since she doesn't have much of that, I think that's what's causing a break in the relationship. Like, I can tell that he still likes her or wants to be with her. Like, there's love there. He's just not in love with her in the same way. And maybe they can rediscover that together, but maybe they can't. But they seem the lesser of all the other evils that are i mean even tony to a certain extent like i i'm starting to get terrified with napoleon and particularly lars and we haven't seen much from zoe but i don't i don't know if we will see much from her but i think yao and delilah are definitely gonna have because his devotion to masha is a thing and she's very much questioning her her fearless leader so they decide to kill well tony decides to kill a goat because you said hey anything goes live off the land the whole point was that they were not to really like they were to struggle for survival and not to be satisfied in the end but he played by his own rules he saw a goat he killed it and thus goes one of Masha's animals so much so that she gets to go cry about it but fair play she know that was a fair play he brought it back very victorious too like yeah I'm the alpha in this pack and he probably ain't wrong there we did mention or hear mention that Laura says that he was gay but at the at the little get together later on delilah's like you want me to paddle your ass would like <laughs> you need a spanking or something like that and he's like yeah come up to my room or he seemed inclined which is odd considering that he's gay right carmel still feels isolated and away from everyone else she still hasn't really met a friend and they really did do that poor goat like that i understand too like i have no reason to be hypocritical i love me some meat but it is different watching it just be open and gutted like that that's how our ancestors did it it's just not how i'm used to seeing it it does make you think and appreciate at least then of course napoleon because it was his day he had his one-on-one with masha she tried to get him to open up about Zach and about Heather, like Heather's broken, but he defends that he is not. And I could see him just finding every way to rationalize his son Zach's death. 
And at the dinner, he goes into how suicide is impulsive. People usually get over the feeling. However, when you're young, his, his, you know, he mentioned something about Invictus, like he believes in the Bible. He's trying to find every educational or rational thought to sum up this inexplainable tragedy that has happened to him. And because of it, I think that he's holding in as much anger as Carmel's character is. So, I don't know. And he keeps ignoring the fact that his daughter keeps saying there's something going on with mom and he rather just say, no, no, it's perfectly fine. I know she said we'll get through this together, but she seems to be happier without the weight of Napoleon. And I think that she's allowing him to process his way, but she doesn't necessarily subscribe to the same idea. And thus, I think she's grown to hate him (laughs) at least that's how i feel but we shall see as the season continues to unfold i know i got behind a little bit but it is back on the schedule on saturdays that's when we'll be covering it if you want to send feedback on the next episode i think that's all we we got left for the most part her watching people she's been doing that um they did take away his apple watch Lars so is it someone else on the property maybe that other tech that's around who Tony said to give him the pill my right pill oh I forgot the end of the episode the big cliffhanger is right when she's hugging her husband Heather looks directly at Masha and asks what did she sniff something she said are you drugging us and everyone looked rather surprised and Masha had this look on her face and then she kind of went into this I mean everyone's staring at you why did you have to go from I'm totally moved from hey this is my fake face (laughs) instead of what do you mean so is that just going to come out the next episode I don't know so once again blackocouch.gmail.com if you want to send feedback we can leave a comment below on this podcast my social media will be there as well remember to like share subscribe Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and black magic.